Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host Ryan here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find The Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6NERDS5. Oh man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Jean-Claude Van Damme's Damn Van, premiering February 15th at the Alamo Draft House. Here's the trailer. I take it you took care of the reporter? Reporter's not a problem. We have a new one. The evidence. Two floors and a damn van acquired it. In a couple hours, Mayor Knob is going to blow up Paradise Stadium to fill this new van. I'm in the pulpit. You're my sister from the future? When I learned that Mayor Knob was going to have you murdered to prevent evidence of his corruption from getting out, I defected from the time force to come back and see you. He slows me. A sudden death. Hand over the file, or I'll spill your blood and take it from you. You, what are... It's an H-800. Killer cyborg! Run for your life! What happened here? Justice. Justice happened here. Your justice is gross. Yeah, I know. You are more despicable than I even realized. <laughs> I love it. How can somebody so sleazy be in charge of the city? I'll make sure Nob gets what he deserves. I own this city! Oh, yeah. This is John Clyde's damn band song Where they use the city's money to expand yeah, their Get the damn band Sweet That was awesome, thank you Heck yeah So thanks for uh, sponsoring our this week's podcast, Brad Hey, no problem we, You actually have three weeks, right? You paid for three weeks of sponsoring the podcast I did, I did, it's very expensive Cool, so, um, so for the next three weeks we'll be opening up with... Uh, Mentioning your film, and it's playing noon, February 15th, at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton, Colorado. If you want to watch that theater, it might five, be your last chance to do so. Five so point one surround out. sound. That's right. And then someone from Comedy Central is pig- piggybacking off of you, I saw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, wild. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, Obviously, they didn't know, but it's uh, it's kind of funny that they... Uh, I've been working on this movie for like a year, and for workaholics from comedy central for that show to make a reference to to create a joke called jean claude's damn van at the same time that we're premiering yeah, our movie it's pretty funny did they ever respond to you about it no <sighs> lame uh we tweeted and retweeted and facebooked and tumblered the fact that you know the trailer and all mm-hmm. of our promotional stuff and i even submitted the trailer like directly to their tumblr mm-hmm. nothing lame yeah it's well, like they're you, trying to ignore it or something you know, bummer yeah like they don't want to get 
inside some kind of legal wrangling <laughs> thing. No, it's just it's it's friendly competition. Yeah. You know, everybody yep. has it. And yours is way better. I saw <laughs> theirs, their GIF. <laughs> yours is better. Thank you. It is. Um so yeah, you should definitely go see it. Tickets are only a dollar. Um but I should point out really soon you invited a lot of people and you've got a lot of people coming already. And it's only a forty seat theater, right? Uh no, we have. I think we have a hundred hundred seat theater, but oh nice! I don't think we're gonna get a hundred people. You will get a hundred people. You think so? Yep. Okay, because I think there's twenty RSVPs right now. Yeah, and you still have a few weeks. So if you get, yeah. you know, half of them's your friends, and then the other half are people like, "What is this? Jean Claude has a new movie coming out." Yeah. We'll see. Alamo says they won't um, advertise it, so it's all up to me. Yeah, we can do it. I'll put it on Twitter, Facebook, and tattoo it on my dick and run up and down How the street. How are people going to see that? I told you I'm going to run <laughs> up so and down small. the street. <laughs> dick. Um, but yeah, so February 15th. Make sure you check it out. Yep. Uh, every week on the Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie. This week, we went and saw Mordecai. Stay tuned till the end of the podcast and we'll tell you if you should go see it or not. And we also do a bunch of movie stuff, news, releases, what we've been watching. Uh, more movie podcast, so we focus on movies and sometimes on video games we play and comic books we read. Um, we just like to have fun. That was my intro. That's good. It's all right. Satisfactory. Yeah. Satis- yeah, I wouldn't say good. I'd say, <laughs> you know, when you got in elementary school, you got one, two, three, or four, or five, I think it was. No. No? I got like G and oh, S. That's right. and That's my niece gets that. S now. minus. You, you get like, uh, yeah, US is unsatisfactory. Yeah. Satisfactory. So I, I'd say satisfactory plus. Okay. Just, just a... Not quite good and not excelling, but you know. And then we got to junior high. It was like A, B, C, D, yeah. F. Why? Get, why not E? I don't know. Exemplary. Cause <laughs> yeah, because they get it confused with excellent, but yeah. it's down at the bottom. Just confused kids. When I was uh, a senior in high school, I had Mr. Odoricio for sociology, and at the time I was taking two theater classes and two gym classes, so I got A's on those, no problem. And I wanted really to get a 4.0, so I was mentioned in the newspaper for something I didn't deserve for 4.0 for having two theater and two gym classes. <laughs> and in sociology, I had like an 88%. And I went up to Mr. Odoricio. I was like, Mr. O, come on, just give me an A, dude. It's the last semester. I mean, what's 2%? He said, okay, Frost, we're going to flip for it. If you win, I'll give you the A. If you lose, you get a B-. minus. I was like, all right, cool. What could I, what could I possibly lose? I won it. And so, you know, at graduation, they give you your report card and you're, they don't give you your diploma because they wait to make sure you don't show your dick or something when you're on mm-hmm. stage. And I got my report card. I looked at it. And remember the numbers that you used to get? Like one is excelling and turning everything in on time. And like there's like numbers on it. And then you flipped it over and each had like a little code. Like uh, anyways, he gave, yeah. me all, he gave me all the bad marks. <laughs> I, had a, I had an A minus in the class, but he gave me all the bad marks on it. So... That's funny. <laughs> Anyways, that's a that's just a story from my past. Welcome. Um, <laughs> this is the stuff we watched this week. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, you want to start so you don't fall asleep? Sure. Uh, this week I watched uh, Jane Silent Bob's super groovy cartoon movie. <laughs> yeah, it's not that good. Yeah, I know. I was surprised. <laughs> I mean, it starts out okay. You're like, oh, this going to be fun. And then yeah. it's just like... I don't know, I've been getting older and that humor isn't appealing anymore, but yeah. No, because I watched Jane's Hunt and Bob Strike Back this week and it was still really funny. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, I'm, it's just, just kind of a series of like 
the most crudish things I guess Jason Mewes can think of, and then yeah, and I think maybe too the the animation is so janky that it, and they just kind of randomly go from one thing to another. Yeah, it's, it's not very cohesive. Yeah, and like everything's just so on the nose. Like, oh yeah, it's a dick. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was kind of disappointing. Um, not not so uh, disappointed I think it, it didn't tour here. <laughs> But see, I think it'd be more fun to see it with those two guys because they do a Q and A afterwards. It'd be more fun. This is true. Um, yeah. But watching it on Netflix, I was like, eh. I, I watched. It, I don't think I even talked about it because I forgot. Yeah. Because I, I forgot about it. I thought it was the first one to talk about it. Yeah. You are. I don't think I talked about it when I saw it. I remember was watching it with my wife, and she said, "I thought Jay and Silent Bob were funny." That's a fair assessment. Yeah, I said yeah. they should be. Um, but you know, kudos to him for. Even trying, I guess. Yeah. Instead of doing drugs. I mean, it's, I mean, there's still funny parts in it. It's just they're kind of far in between. Yeah. And yeah. Um. Then the second thing I watched was Days of Thunder, which you watched nice. a few weeks ago. Nice. Um. And that is just, a, yeah, it's a ridiculous cliche. It's like the '80s cliche 80s movie. movie. Yeah. I mean, everything that when you see, um, I don't know if action movie is the right word, but. Maybe an action movie is right. Like it's you know the loner. Um, he comes and he's really cool, and he thinks he's too cool to. He follow literally the rules. rides in on a motorcycle. Yeah. After just having been referenced. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, there's parts where in that movie where it's so silly, but it's awesome at the same time because I really have that nostalgic feel for, you know, the eighties yeah. where they're, because ah, it's Randy Quaid. He's talking to Robert Duvall, and Robert Duvall is saying, "Well, where's where's this guy that's so great?" And then all of a sudden, Tom Cruise comes. And he rides through like a cloud of smoke. On a Harley. On a Harley. With aviators. On a racetrack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't know you could just drive onto a racetrack. <laughs> I mean, maybe like Bandamere or something, but, you know, a NASCAR racetrack where there's probably security. <laughs> yeah. But I guess if you show up in a leather jacket, aviators, and on a Harley. And, and a you're Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, of course, the uh, existing team driver doesn't like this cool new rebel oh and yeah so his he rides in like he's the expert driver mm-hmm. and robert duvall or whatever one of his guys talks about like yeah you gotta you gotta give this guy a shot he's amazing and then he gives him a shot and he's terrible at driving <laughs> actually because <laughs> he like always kills the engines because that's right he no kills, he burns out the tires he burns out the tires i can't remember i thought he yeah. killed the engine in one he revs it up too much and it blows out before he can win or well, he revs up the, the engine so much that the tires can't handle it Oh, okay so robert duvall has to teach him how to use the tires he has and to not, rein in yeah. the wild card and this leads to the friction between them, and then eventually they have to learn to get along. And, and after he wins, communicate his, with each his other. First race, of course, they hire him a, a stripper cop. Yeah, they, they <laughs> stage an elaborate bus pullover frisking. It turns out that yeah, the cop is a stripper. <laughs> a stripper, and he's embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then it happens kind of later where. Because of that, he thinks that Nicole Kidman is also a stripper. Because she's so hot to be. Yeah. She's too hot to be a doctor. Um, yeah. yeah. But, you're right. Nick, I, I love, Nick, too, that uh, he gets hurt, and then Carrie Elways comes in, and he's the uh, the new guy. And he's so awesome at racing that you've never heard of, but he can come in and take over and start winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they're finally doing the, like, the, fi- like, the big race and everything... Uh, Tom Cruise is like, 
tricking him into think he's going on the outside because he always does it. And Carrie always is such a dumb driver <laughs> that he just falls for that. It's like he literally says, "Like I know, I know which way he's gonna go." What is it? He, he's, he says he always goes high. Yeah, he always goes high. But no, after not. Tom Cruise does it twice to him. Yeah, but not this time. <laughs> yeah, Tom learned his lesson. Cole Trickle. I didn't see that coming. He'd go the other way. <laughs> yeah, then, um, you know, then it zooms in on Tom Cruise. like, woo! <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he almost go blind, too, in, like, the first accident? Uh, maybe. I don't Is that remember. Michael Rooker? Yeah. But they, like, him and Michael Rooker finally bond over, mm-hmm. like, dry, like, drag racing on the beach. Yep. <laughs> in <laughs> rental cars. Yeah. They're, like, speeding through, like, downtown whatever city, it, totally endangering other citizens. I actually think it's kind of a cool scene where you know, they're so competitive that they have to do it and then like the head of nascar is waiting like at a table yeah, like a fancy where are those guys with nicole kidman yeah and, like, why would they take this seriously yeah they're suspended their egos writing checks their body can't catch <laughs> and then later he's driving with nicole kidman and like someone pisses him off so he, like like yeah. speeds through a parking garage like and she She's such a bad actress that she's saying, let me out the car, Cole. Let me out the car. <laughs> Can you believe she was nominated for an Academy Award? For that? No. Oh. But I mean, later on in her career, I still don't think she's that great of an actress. Batman Forever? Uh, yeah, she's not good in that. <laughs> and then in Eyes Wide Shut, she's not good. Um, when she's smoking. The Others? Uh, the Others isn't a bad movie. Hmm. I actually think it's not too bad. Far and Away? <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. That's it's on your list. That's sitting on my shelf. Waiting to be watched, still on the wrapper. Uh, yeah, so Days of Thunder, just silly. But I still had fun. Yeah, it's still a fun movie to watch. I don't think it's yeah like horrible. Um, what's the other thing I watched? Watched a lot of EF Palooza and Star Trek. That's it. So yeah. let's end it there. Cool. Uh, I watched a few things. I, I continued my what I'm calling a cruisathon. Uh, the first thing I watched was Minority Report. I haven't seen that movie. In fact, I haven't seen that movie in so long. I forgot the twists in it and what happened throughout the film. Um, that movie I talked about it a few weeks ago. Yeah, or months ago. That movie though is shot so well, and it, it it's one of those movies where you don't realize it, but it came out in two thousand two, I think, and that grainy like blue kind of wash. That they shot the film with, um, kind of set a precedent, a precedent for that, and uh, it's, it's just done way better than any other movie that tried to do it. And seeing Spielberg, he's just so good with his his camera, where to put it. Uh, the movie's so cool. It, it, I think it's actually one of Tom Cruise's best movies. Um, oh yeah, it's you know they. You forget about how good it is. Yeah, because I, like I said, I haven't seen it in so long. And as I'm watching it, I go, man, I think one of the one of his people who's really close to him is a bad guy. And then what's cool about the movie is they set up that Colin Farrell is the bad guy. You know, he's that hot shot cop guy who's trying to take down um, Anderton. And you're just going, yeah, he is bad. And then he shows that he actually figures out the the minority report before Tom Cruise's character figures it out and then he gets killed by Max von Sydow and it's yeah it's just a cool movie and everybody in the movie is so good the acting's so great in that movie 
I really enjoyed it, watching it again. The only thing that's a bummer is I got the special edition steelbook from Best Buy. Mm. And I found that there is actually a second special features disc. And that film, and that version of it only has the film. Because when I opened it, it says disc one, feature film. And then I went back and I went to Blu-ray.com. And Blu-ray.com has the other Minority Report Blu-ray disc on it. Uh, or release and it says how great all the special features are I'm trying to think if i i don't remember this being special like there's two versions of it there's one that doesn't have it and then there's one that has special features oh that's lame yeah and because the blu-ray.com was saying how cool all the special features are so i might still buy it on um amazon to make sure that's I get where the, i got mine so i wouldn't yeah i gotta make sure i get the right SKU number though yeah because um, there is a link on Blu-ray.com to buy that version of it. So um, That sucks. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's not the version where he's like this. They actually have a ver- I have to look it up. I'm pretty sure they have a version of him like leaning over, like the original theatrical poster. Yeah. So I'll have to look at it, and I'll let you know. If at least it, I still have the DVD. Yeah. That's good because, you know, the thing with Spielberg is he has usually two versions of the movies that come out. Mm. The one that's just the movie, and then they have a special edition um, War of the Worlds is that way. Where's War Munich Horse. on Blu-ray? I know. Why isn't all his movies on Blu-ray? Dude, and that Spielberg collection is like 160 bucks. That sucks. It doesn't have those things either. I know. And Munich is one of his best movies. You can listen to a great commentary, me and Brett <laughs> <laughs> Munich. Uh, well, you can listen to an audio track of the movie. Yeah. Because we don't really say much on that. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, the second film I watched with Tom Cruise was Oblivion. And I actually like that more, too, that I watched it a second time. I haven't seen it since it's since I saw it in theaters. Was it 2013, I think? Um, and, mm. yeah, it's when you s- kind of know the story, you see how it unfolds. It's pretty good. Uh, I forgot that. I mean, it's shot so beautifully. That's maybe one of the best looking movies yeah, on Blu-ray. Gorgeous production design. Yeah, because uh, it's a guy who did Tron Legacy. So yeah. he kind of has that. He needs to work on story. Yeah, just his stories. But, I mean, watching it again, uh, I actually thought it was pretty interesting. The the alien was stupid, where it's just a pyramid. But I liked that they show what happened to Tom Cruise, really, that he went through there with the test pilot, and they were killed, but they were cloned and sent down there to drain the earth of all its resources, and they were just lied to about what really happened. It's pretty cool. And then he says, you know, fuck you, Sally, and blows the whole thing up, and... Yeah, the movie's beautiful. So, uh, and the special features are really cool on it because they talk about that director. He wrote it as well. How he pitched the movie. This is probably explains a lot about the story, but how he pitched the movie to the studio is he just did a bunch of uh, artwork for it. And he said, hey, this is what it looks like. This is what's going to happen in the film. And Tom Cruise saw it and he got really excited about it. And listening to interviews with Tom Cruise, I learned that he has movies in production for a really long time because he wants to make sure they get right. And Oblivion was, I think, five or six years before he actually made that his next movie. So it is pretty fascinating. Yeah, the movie's gorgeous. And it still has one of my favorite Tom Cruise moments where he says, who are you? And I just believe everything after that because he's so good. So yeah, Oblivion is really good. I'm um, seeing it again a second time. I watched Candyman 2, which is called Candyman Farewell to the Flesh. It's not very good. Uh, it is a Scream Factory Blu-ray, and I just I always get Scream Factory Blu-rays because they do such a great job. 
And again, the movie sucks, but the transfer is really good, and they have really good special features on it. So it, I don't know if it makes the movie better, but because the acting is so all over the place where you have Tony Todd plays a candy man and he's pretty good because he's just, yeah, that's a cat. Scary, huh? And he's just trying to be, you know, the, the boogeyman in it. And he's good. And the, the lead actress is pretty good, but everybody else is so bad in it. And it really, it's really distracting watching it when everybody else is bad and it takes place in new Orleans. So they have a bunch of actors trying to do new Orleans accents and it just comes across bad. You know, you don't have to speak like you're from New Orleans if you're the movie shot in New Orleans. You know what I mean? Uh, I guarantee. <laughs> get a little rawhead in there. Um, leatherhead. What's his name? From leatherhead. What was that? Rawhead? Yeah, Leatherhead. It's late, dude. I just saw a boring movie. Um, Spoiler. Spoilers. I watched Hotel Transylvania, which is the Adam Sandler Dracula um, cartoon. That's better than I thought it was going to be. Uh I put it in because um, my son right now, obviously, he doesn't know what's going on in movies, but he he was fa- like fixated on Minority Report, <laughs> and I think it's just because it has lots of going on in it, and there's lots of colors and things. So when I put in cartoon, lots of color in Minority Report. Well, when it's moving fast and mm. uh, the blues and stuff, uh, but Hotel Transylvania is cute. This Dracula has a 118 year old daughter, and he doesn't want her to go out into the real world. And Andy Samberg plays a human who comes in and she falls in love with him, obviously. It's just a cute movie. Hmm. Doesn't hurt anybody to watch it. Uh, and I guess the biggest thing I... Oh, I have too much gosh. I also watched A Walk Among the Tombstones, which is a Liam Neeson movie that he was in October? I don't remember. Um, he plays a former New York City police officer who made a mistake and now he's just a private investigator. And he gets called by this guy who wants him to find these people that he paid ransom to, but they killed his wife anyways. So Liam Neeson tries to track these guys down. He finds out that they've killed a bunch of other people. And the movie's actually pretty good. It's it's basically like Taken, but it's rated R. So it's really violent, and there's lots of cussing in it. And it does fall into a lot of cliches, but there's still some really cool moments in it. And, of course, the greatest moment with Liam Neeson is he's on the phone. And what happens is these guys call. They say, if you ever want to see whoever we took alive again, you'll pay us this money. What happens is these victims pay the money, and then they send back the people that they kidnapped in pieces. And so Liam Neeson, towards the end of the movie, kind of gets you know the idea of what these guys are about. And so they kidnap this one guy's uh, little daughter, and he... He goes over to the house and he said, oh, as long as I pay him the money, they say they'll let my daughter live. And he says, you let me talk to him next time they call. And so he, he calls. He says, listen to me, you motherfucker. You, you're, we're not getting, giving you anything until you give the daughter back. And he, it's really cool because every time the kidnappers call back, he, has, he keeps on telling them what's going to happen. That, no, you're not going to hurt her. You're going to have to give them to her. I'm not going to give you any of your fucking money. It's pretty awesome. And then he kills him. Sweet. Yep. <laughs> it's bloody. And, yeah. And he cusses in it. He says, fuck a lot. Nice. Yeah. And the, I guess the big thing I saw this week was Into the Woods, uh, mm. which is the musical that is actually not that bad. I had lots of fun watching it. 
the problem is, is they they handle death in it really weird. Johnny Depp plays the big bad wolf, and what they do is they basically blend all these fairy tales together in a musical. And so he eats Little Red Riding Hood and the granny, and if you know the story, the huntsman comes and cuts the wolf open and pulls out Little Red Riding Hood and granny. And he does this in the movie, but they don't really show it. They just kind of sing about it, and they do this weird cartoon thing. And a couple other characters die, and it's really it's handled really weird. You'd have to see it for mm. it to make any sense. Uh, and I don't want to spoil the movie of who dies and stuff, but it's just handled really weird. There's a scene where a character dies, and in the next scene, they're saying, "Oh, that character died." Okay. Guess it's guess it's time to move on. Like five seconds later. And this character is a really important character throughout the whole film. And this character dies. And everyone basically goes, well, oh, well. That's life in the woods. Yeah, that's life into the woods. And the lesson learned is, I can't say this without spoiling the movie. But anyways, the lesson learned is something bad can happen to you and you get a replacement right away. And so it's okay. That's a weird, (laughs) weird thing to... Let's just say a significant other dies, and then that significant other is replaced by an attractive (laughs) character, and the other person says, okay, you can come live with me. If you're widowed, (laughs) don't fret. Something better is going to come along. In like 10 minutes. Jeez. The best part of the movie, though, is there's this duet with Chris Pine. Chris Pine plays Prince Charming, and then his brother is the prince from Rapunzel. And they have this duet where they're both talking about how seeing about how dashing they are on this waterfall. And so there's this part where Chris Pine is looking at his brother and his brother's in this like heroic pose. And then it cuts to Chris Pine. And he rips his shirt off and starts singing. And then his brother realizes he's ripping his shirt off and he starts like kicking water and stuff to be more like handsome. And her- it's really funny. Hmm. Uh, and Chris Pine is, has my favorite line in it. Uh, oh, fuck. Now I can't remember it. It's like, uh, my f- my father raised me to be charming, not to be caring or something like that. It's it's great. Um, so Chris Pine is really good in it. And who knew he could sing? Not me. And now you know. Captain Kirk can sing as well. And that's what I watched this week. What should we do next, Brad? Mm, box office? Sweet. I'll hit you with my best shot. This is the box office stats. That was a segue to say American Sniper made $107 million last weekend. Uh, yeah, 107 over four days. Yeah, I think three days was 80. 87, I think. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. It's, it suddenly became the highest grossing Janu- Oscar nominee. Yeah, and the highest grossing January movie by like $60 million. Mm. And uh, it's Who f- knew people were hungry for... <laughs> right? Snipers. I don't know... It, after Steve was on our show and talked about it, everything he said about it made me think of why I didn't want to see the movie. But now I feel like I have to see it, but I can probably wait. Because hmm. when they try to pull on my heartstrings where, I want to come home, baby. I, I don't know. It's like too much. And did yeah, that, I don't know. Did that phone call really happen? You know what I mean? Like what phone call? Where in the, in the trailer he says, "I want to come home, baby. I want to come home." Mm. Well, that's the thing is, like a lot of people are 
taking this movie really seriously and I, I guess they should but at the same time like I'm pretty sure as a movie they probably embellish something yeah I I, I obviously my brother's reading the book right now maybe I'll ask him I'll say hey does he have a phone call where he's talking to his wife and all of a sudden they have an attack happen right away and she drops the phone and starts crying as soon as she finds out that they're having a boy I'm guessing not I'm guessing because yeah. real life is not that dramatic <laughs> but maybe it did you know what? I don't know. I haven't read his book. And so how much did Taken 3 do last week? Cuz that was the one you uh, you guys saw. I forget. I think it was 15 million. Uh yeah, something like 15 million. I think it's down 65% from the week before. It doesn't matter. It's already made I think 200 and something million internationally. So, I'm sure Taken 4 is coming soon. So, Taken 4 now can be the A and Taken. That's right. So, <laughs> They're set. Are they? Are they really making a fourth one? Uh, Do they uh, leave it open? Because they advertise as being like this is the end. Yeah, I know they did, but so the movie ends, and then it has this really weird epilogue that's really out of place, and then the movie ends again. So, Hmm. yeah, I don't know. Cool DVDs and Blu-rays sounds great. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Oh, I know what's coming out this week. Oh, it's up to me, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess the big one is Fury, which was uh, James's ninth favorite, tenth yeah. favorite. I was actually surprised it was, it was that high for him. Yeah. Um, I don't even really hear him talk about it that much, but uh, Downton Abbey season five. Wow, it's a James. It's a James week. James week. Well, actually, there's a movie coming out for me, too. Yeah, The Book of Life, animated uh, Justice League, Throne of Atlantis. They've been, DC's been really hyping that up. Um, I guess it looks cool. They're trying to make Aquaman cool before <laughs> the Justice League movie comes out. Is um, that possible? We'll see. Um, Into the Woods, obviously. Came, yeah. <laughs> you the- got to jump on it. Well, that's the uh, Broadway version, I believe. Ah. Um, see Kenneth Branagh in Henry V on Blu-ray. Are you on the right one? I'm pretty sure The Judge comes out this week, too. Shh, shh, I was saving the best for last, Oh, you were saving it for last? All right. God. Well, The Judge comes out this week. <laughs> so there's that. Nice. My boy. <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> um, there's this, uh, I think it's a Draft House film, Why Don't You Play in Hell? I don't know. Uh, it's getting a lot of attention. I haven't seen much on it, but um, I've seen press for it. Uh, the Usual Suspects is getting a 20th anniversary edition. That's good. I think the Blu-ray. Blu-ray is really bare bones right now. Yeah, I suppose they keep the cover art. I don't know why they keep changing stuff up like that. It just looks so generic. You know, it's one weird thing, too, with the Tom Cruise Blu-rays. But they have the worst cover art. It's usually just his face yeah. really close. The firm minority report. Um, what else? Something with Elijah Wood called Open Windows. Um, actually, I think that's it. Like, I'm just seeing a lot of. Uh, oh, Falcon Rising. That's a. I've got it on Netflix. I don't want to watch it. Adam watched it. It's uh, Michael Jai White, Black mm-hmm. Dynamite. It's another parody film. 
Uh, it's like an action film. I I want to check it out, but it's officially out here, so on this list, so it's probably good. It's a good track record of humor. I always wondered Stuff if they I were like. going to make a second Black Dynamite. I mean, they know they have the cartoon. But yeah, I think that is basically like. I guess yeah. There is a comic book Black Dynamite, and he's punching a shark on it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of like. Um, symphony concert. Nice. Blu-rays. In foreign films and. Who wants to watch foreign this? shit? Some chick holding a rifle called bagged she doesn't look like she has any pants on yep let's go with that that's let's call it a day (laughs) so the judge fury justice league throw of atlantis um those are your big things to look forward to usual suspects they do have did you see the trailer for batman versus robin the next DC movie. I I didn't watch the trailer, but I saw of it. I don't know why they call it. It's based on the Court of Owls. I don't know why they call it Batman the Court of Owls. I know, right? I guess Batman versus Robin is more dramatic. I haven't been able to get into that Damian Robin. Yeah, it just doesn't care. seem interesting to me. Yeah, he comes back with superpowers this week or something. Great. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I heard. I don't read them, so I'm reading Endgame. That's about it. Speaking of comics. Cool. What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. Aw, oh, yeah. I haven't done this in a long time. The comic this week is Spider-Man, Spider-Verse, Part 5. Uh, in Spider-Verse, they've gone to all these universes, and they're building an army of Spider-Men so, and women. So the team right now is Spider-Man, the Superior Spider-Man, Peter Porker, the Spectacular Spider-Ham, Spider Woman, and they have to fight off these people that are called the Inheritors, which live off of the life force of spiders. Basically, each world has their own spiders, and these Inheritors go through the world and they kill them and they get their life force and become more powerful for it. And this is the second to last part of it, and it's kind of amping up the stakes. Lots of cool fights in it. Um, the humor is really still pretty good in it, uh, art's great. The Spider-Man stories are really good right now, and that's good, because I guess they're killing the Marvel Universe in May, so they're going to reboot the whole universe. Is that a segue into news? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> it's real news! So, yeah, news is really uh, slim this week. Uh, probably the biggest news is... Simon Pegg is co-writing Star Trek 3. Yeah. Which I didn't know he had to, he wanted to do that. I mean, he's a good writer because he's, he's wrote a lot of movies. So, and I'd say his best movies he's written. So yeah, he, he can do it. I know. I, I, I wonder he, what he's going to bring to it. I don't know. Is he a really big Trekkie? Uh, well, for what I know, he's a big Star Wars guy. So, mm-hmm. I mean, but then again, so was JJ Abrams. So he'll just probably carry the same torch. Um, but what I, th- what I really think that franchise needs is someone familiar with the original, because I think the Trekkies are just like starved for mm-hmm. the original concept. Like it was, it was a fun diversion to have the new Star Treks as they were, but it's yeah, we we miss. Th- this. It is interesting. I never got what you were saying until I started watching the old ones. Yeah, 
uh, the new ones are great. Don't get me wrong, but when you watch the old ones, they, yeah, it's kind of missing the politicalness of it. Yeah, it's where a, it's not just all action. It's it's what set it apart from Star Wars. Because you know, people make fun of it. The first Star Trek, I remember uh, you guys saying I shouldn't watch it, but I actually really enjoyed it. If you could cut out like thirty minutes of the <laughs> flying ship. around, yeah. But it's still, you know, because you could never do that now. I don't know if you could ever have. A movie where its climax is they find the Voyager satellite has become self-aware. Yeah. And they really just talk to it. Like, where's the bad guy? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they really just talk to it, but it's really, it's, by doing that, it's a really fascinating story. I, I think that's what's missing from the new ones, mm-hmm. is there's no f- fascination, or there's no, I guess there's no wonder to it where mm-hmm. I think the early ones kind of had this sense of wonderment to him. Yeah. You they know, explored where, ideas. Exactly. Where, yeah. where are you going? Even uh, the one where they find God is silly at towards the end, but the buildup to it's really great. Mm-hmm. And I think if they could tap into that while retaining the same aesthetic of the new ones, I think would be really awesome. So I don't know what they, they would do. Because I don't want them to rehash stories because they've already kind of done that. Now. Yeah, it's funny. I was watching um, the Next Generation, and one of the most recent episodes, it's season seven, I watched is um, Worf's half brother uh, infiltrates this race. Their planet's dying, um, and he's trying to convince Starfleet to enter. Like, there's the Prime Directive, so they don't, don't want to intervene. They want just natural selection mm. to play out. But infiltrating uh, these people, he is like falling in love with them and wants to help them. So he tricks the Enterprise into saving them. Mm. And it's the same plot as Insurrection where his idea is to beam them into a holodeck that looks like their natural planet. So they'll go on this journey and the holodeck will just change until it matches the new planet. Um yeah, it's, it's like the same plot as Insurrection. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, you know, they, they, I think they need that. Not that again. I, I think Star Trek Into Darkness is a great movie, but if they if they successfully blend those two, I think would make maybe the best Star Trek movie ever. Because you got to if because now you got to be different. Because with you know Star Wars coming out, people are going to be super hyped for that. You got to separate yourself from it. Mm. Where you've had. Uh, Star Star Wars hasn't been out for ten years, so you had a little gap there. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, I think it'd be cool. Like I, I still think it'd be really cool if they took you know the rebooted cast and then like made a rebooted like DS Nine or something, mm-hmm. something that we haven't seen on the big screen yet, like Voyager or Enterprise or something. Recast that and do you think do, something like, like DS Nine though? I mean, I've never watched an episode. Is something. Or take the fans could get into or normal moviegoers. Well, even if you like, maybe the original, ca- like the original Star Trek s- characters interact mm-hmm. with something from oh, their okay, world. So saying. like they f- do something with Q or or the uh, Dominion or something. Mm-hmm. Like combine elements or even just the Borg. Like that'd be sweet. Yeah, why not? Like you've rebooted the universe. That's still like one of my favorite moments from the Next Generation movies is when Picard is all badass. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Like I didn't know he was that ripped, but there he is. That's right. Losing his shit yep. on those Borg. It's awesome. 
and really the only other news this week is Tom Hardy dropped out of Suicide Squad because the part wasn't big enough for him. Is that it? I heard it was yeah. just like he had other commitments. No, it's this part. I've I've read many, many articles about Tom Hardy not being a very nice person to work with. Really? Yeah. And then I read an article on The Hollywood Reporter this week. Actually, because I, I clicked on it because they said 24 without Kiefer Sutherland. And I said, oh, I don't know about that. And then there's another link on there that said Freddie Prinze Jr. says Kiefer Sutherland is the most unprofessional dude he's ever worked with. And so I clicked on that. And he's just talking about that they made Freddie Prinze Jr. take off shoes when he had scenes with Kiefer because Freddie Prinze is five tall, feet tall yeah. or six feet tall and... Kiefer Sutherland's 5'4", which I don't think is that short, but I was like, really, dude? You should just be lucky you're on 24, because <laughs> what have you done besides Scooby-Doo? Um, I've always said, though, like, 24 should try exploring something where Jack Bauer isn't the focus. Cause, like, work. That world would lend itself to it. Like, don't get me wrong, I want to see tw- Jack Bauer kick ass all the time, but um, it might be cool to maybe start a season with thinking you're going on a different thread than mm-hmm. as they always do halfway through, then Jack becomes prominent towards the end, you yeah. know, change up like that. Cause it was always about the concept of a 24 hour time span. Or, and you know, it always ended up being like Jack versus the terrorists. Like mm-hmm. why can't it be Jack s- stopping a kidnapping or like yeah, an Amber alert? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Especially since he's not really, really part of CTU, and like, why does it always have to be like he has to team up with the president or a government government agency? Like, can he just always be rogue? Yeah, I guess it's tough because I think the thought behind that is you always have to make the stakes higher. So yeah. having him just stop a kidnapping, the stakes aren't as high as stopping. Uh, That's what's uh, frustrating is like I read an interview where Keeper was talking about like for the uh, live another day. Like when they're coming up with writing that, they're saying that they missed the first season where the stakes weren't high. Mm. And it was a more intimate show. Um, it was really more about the characters, and they were going to try to go back to that. But I didn't really see that in Live Another Day. Mm-mm. So, sorry. Yeah. So yeah, that's like really the only news this week. Nothing exciting. I wonder if people are still on vacation. <laughs> Is there a, a lull in filming right now? or movie news who knows there's gear gearing up for the oscars yeah no one wants to do anything controversial to hurt their chances that's true um what have we not done that's it is that it yeah i think that is it if there's something we missed sorry real nerds listeners i really think we got it all but this is my show so i can do what i want this week we went and saw mordecai brad should people go see mordecai I hate to be mean, but no. Ah, you're not being mean. No, you should not go see this movie. Here's a trailer. See if you laugh at anything in it. Three months ago, a Spanish museum sent a Goya painting to be cleaned. The painting has disappeared. This very bad man who wanted to fund violent worldwide revolution. Countless lives are at stake. And you would like me to find it? Precisely. What is in it for me, as they say? Do it for queen and country. No. All right, queen and country, travel and living expenses, reasonable overhead. Done. I am Lord Charlie Mordecai. 
respected by all who know me slightly. Excellent shot, sir. Man down. I am an art dealer, an aficionado. <laughs> my wife, Joanna, my only true love. I thought I'd see how you secret agent men run the world. I'm afraid I shall have to put my foot down, darling. Sorry. With your permission, of course. Jock is my manservant and handles all of our most pressing affairs. Well done, Jock. I am also on the verge of bankruptcy, and therefore we need a fiendishly clever plan to secure our reward. We grab the painting when no one's looking. Ingenious. Go to America and do what it takes to bring the painting back. I feel as though we've made a wrong turn and arrived on the set of a pornographic film. I'm Georgina Crown. She's a well-known nymphomaniac. Ah. Who knows? This may be a customary greeting in America. I don't know. Truth? <laughs> it's not unusual to find that I'm in love with you. Oh, 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 oh. I don't like it. <laughs> Is this where the body was found? What are you doing? Oh, no, to the left a bit. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I meant to the right. To the left. Yes. Oh, Charlie. That's the biggest problem I think I had with this movie, is it didn't have an identity. There was a lot of slapstick stuff that wasn't funny, and then it was this action-adventure that wasn't that intriguing to me. Yeah. And it was a mystery, but I was never fully committed to the mystery, and I, I don't know. It, I didn't laugh for the, like a good hour at anything. Yeah. I wasn't invested in anything. I think I chuckled when Grinth Paltrow said that Johnny Depp's mouth looked like a vagina. Yeah, I did too. And I it didn't has laugh. this weird humor of like it tries to be raunchy sometimes, but it's still tame. That's what I mean. I don't know if it understands. And then there was parts, you know, where Mordecai tries to have sex with his wife and that vagina part, and he leaves and he has like an erection. It doesn't fit the tone of the movie at all. Yeah. And it also seems that Johnny Depp's character is out of place in the whole movie. Because I actually, I actually liked Ewan McGregor's character a lot in it. I thought he was pretty funny. Um, well, pretty funny. That's being generous. <laughs> Entertaining. And I, I don't know. I always have this problem with Gwyneth Paltrow. I just think she's a bitch all the time. And every time I see her in a movie, she always plays kind of a bitch. Like, yeah. I don't like her. I don't like her in that movie. I didn't mind her. She was about as stale as every other character in the movie. Yeah. It, but in it, because uh, here's the setup is Mordecai is trying to track down this long lost Goya painting. And so it leads him on this. And he needs money because his, his estate is in danger of yeah. going bankrupt. But they never say why, because if he has that much money, why is he having trouble with it? I don't understand. I just assume he's just lavishly spent everything irresponsibly. I, yeah. I mean, and it seems Paul Bettany's having fun in it as his manservant, Jock. You know, there's a long running joke if he sleeps with all these girls. And I, I did laugh when they were on the airplane and he slept with the lady and then she went back to her seat and she took the baby from her husband. That's pretty funny. Yeah. And then I laughed when they were uh, driving away and he threw up all over the other car. 
but it really had no consequences of him throwing up on it. So yeah, it didn't after, stop him. Yeah, after he threw up, then that's you know whatever. But and yeah. him always getting hurt. You know, it's one of the it's one of the movies I've seen recently that I can say I'll probably never see again. I have no desire to. Yeah, as I was watching, I was thinking like this is like one of those early two thousand movies that I saw once in the theater. Yeah, and forgot about because uh, I don't know. I I just could never get into it. I was never invested in the characters at all. I didn't care. I couldn't quote any funny lines to you. No. That's what I mean. Was it supposed to be an action adventure movie or was it supposed to be a comedy? I think it's supposed to be a blend of everything, but it didn't work. Yeah, just just flat. Yeah. And I don't know. And it seems, I mean, it feels like Johnny Depp was trying in it, but I don't know if the rest of the movie, because the writing wasn't that good or that interesting, if it just, because he tried to, you know, the thing with Johnny Depp is he always tries to make his characters quirky. And so I just don't know if that's it. Just didn't work in this one. I don't know. There was a point in the movie where they chase the bad guys to this motel, and I thought the movie actually gave up on itself <laughs> because there's an explosion, and all the characters get like forced out of the room, and the painting gets destroyed. And I was just like, wow. I think the director even got bored with his own material, <laughs> and that's when I thought the movie would end, but then it went on for another 20 minutes, and I was like, oh, red herring. Well, the director is... David Goyer? No, it's... Uh, oh, David Kep. Yeah, David Kep, who's done a lot of screenwriting. Yeah, he wrote Jurassic Park. And he did. A, he's done a few movies. I can't remember them. Um, but, yeah. I, I, again, it's... I guess we were supposed to think it was funny that he had a mustache that made his wife vomit when she kissed him. I guess. I guess it's funny te- teasing or tricking Ewan McGregor into eating rancid cheese. I guess. But he um, was too smart to eat it. Yeah. Because obviously, th- then they, because that's what didn't make sense either, because Paul Bettany's character went in to get it, and they have a cabinet full of rotting cheese, because just in case Ewan McGregor shows up. And he had a hard time picking it up because it smelled so bad, and... To think that Ewan McGregor wouldn't notice. Or Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like Johnny Depp doesn't have a reaction to... Yeah. yeah. It's really bizarre. There is some funny... I don't know if funny is right where there's clever bits where Ewan McGregor shows up randomly in places. Where In the hotel scene he says, oh, I'm going to go around back. And all of a sudden he comes in through the bathroom It's and it's on the second floor. I don't know how he got up there, but... And Olivia Munn's in it, and her character is just stupid. And I see, and there's some parts I don't get. So her Russian boyfriend, she said, created a distraction, so he poisoned the shellfish. But why? What did it? Which none of the characters there trying to stop yeah. even bothered to go near that table. Yeah, I know. So I don't know. What... I didn't even remember Jock eating it. Yeah. So, <laughs> but what was his distraction going to be? I don't because everyone's going to get sick, and people wouldn't know. This. I don't understand. Yeah. And then Olivia Munn, like, why did she hate her dad? Yeah. Enough to kill Jeff him? Goldblum. Yeah. And he was wasted in it. You expect Jeff Goldblum to have, you know, funny bits, uh, but he was not funny. No. He just acquired the painting and then he was gone. Yeah, then he was dead. Yep. So, yeah, I wouldn't go see Mordecai. Yep. Um, next week is, f- what's black or white? color the color or 
Color in the absence of color? Yes, you're right. The Loft, which we saw a trailer for, but I don't remember it. Wait, we saw a trailer? I saw a poster. Was it a poster? No, I'm pretty sure it was a trailer. Or maybe I, I saw... I don't remember a trailer at all. Oh, maybe I saw it before we left. I know James Marsden, Marsden's in it. And then there's Project Almanac, which James mm. mentioned, where it's found footage. I don't know. Chronicle through time? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what are we seeing? The Boy Next Door. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> wow. What yeah. happened? And let me click on black or white and see what it is. Has Kevin Costner and Octavia Spencer. So Octavia Spencer is obviously black and Kevin Costner is white. It's a drama. And they live in a loft? Uh, Yes. Anthony Mackie's in it as well. So, you know, we have Falcon. Yeah, and Project Almanac is sci-fi. This is good right now. Yeah. Who I don't know anybody on. Oh, I know Andrew Foreman, Brad Fuller. They directed the, or produced the Friday the 13th remake. See, we should have seen, seen Faithful Findings tonight and then Mordecai next week. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm looking up the art house stuff, and there's there's nothing. I guess you could finally see the room. Uh, <laughs> probably better than anything next week. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Maybe yeah. we'll do a classic film explosion. Yeah, maybe we'll do something in-house. But uh, thanks for listening this week. Don't go see Mordecai, and we will see you in the theater. Bye. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6-NERDS-5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.